You're listening to Perry Noble's Thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. For daily insight, please check out perrynoble.com. Well, hello and welcome to the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. My name is Shane. I'll be our host today. Really glad you guys are all uh, tuning in to today's uh, podcast. I want to take a second and just highlight a couple things. Uh, Number one, we love your feedback. Today's uh, podcast topic came from your question and so we invite that anytime at hello at newspring.cc drop us an email a question or whatever and we'll consider using that if it's a good one if it's not we won't we'll just bypass that so and we will laugh at your question hysterically but we won't share your name on air no, so but you'll we be will protected. laugh yes uh, but after that let me just say this a couple things coming up we don't want we want to make sure everybody has an opportunity uh, to get to the first is Unleash coming Woo-hoo! up on March the eighth. Perry, what uh, do you want people to know about that? You should be here. I mean, seriously, it's it's going to be actually it's March tenth. Um, well, sorry about that. That's okay, man. Hey, that's okay. You were thinking September eighth for NLC, which we'll get to next. And but it's March tenth. If you show up on March eighth, it'll be a Tuesday, and we will welcome you here. But you'll sit. Yeah, we'll put you to work actually. Um, but it's it's going to be amazing. The thing I'm honestly, I always love the main sessions, but the breakouts are going to be absolutely phenomenal. And uh, so anyway, if there's still room, um, I know that we're about three weeks away by the time this podcast is hitting. There's a, we've we still got room in our overflow area. Just to, just um, actually, I'm saying that uh, we might not have room. We might not be we might be sold out. So if you want to come, you better uh, better get on that. Yep, so that's good. Don't miss that. It is March the 10th. Sorry about that. September the 8th, 2011, will be uh, our second New Spring Leadership Conference. Uh, what, do you, what do people need to know about that, Perry? It's just a leadership conference um, speaking to pastors and church leaders, and um, the speakers are actually pastors and church leaders. Um, myself, along with Mark Driscoll, Stephen Furtick, Judah Smith, Judd Wilhite, Andy Stanley, and Craig Rochelle, um, in one day, Starting at eight o'clock in the morning, going to six o'clock at night. It's the best one-day leadership conference in on the planet, and so I cannot wait um, to to hear these guys. Um, it's go, it's going to be awesome. It's amazing. Church leaders actually talking about church leadership. All right, it's a it's an unbelievable concept. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you were here uh, in 2010, you know uh, you want to be back for 2011. Uh, if you weren't here, you've heard about it, so get your ticket and don't miss it. Uh, what I want to do now is just jump into today's topic. Uh, as I said earlier, we invite uh, you guys to give us feedback or send questions, and from that, we are going to jump right into one of the first questions we got uh, recently, and that was this. Uh, one of the listeners asked, what would you do differently, Perry, if you were to plant a church today? Anything from launching the church to hiring the staff or a campaign of initiative. And uh, so we're going to jump into that question. Uh, but before we do, I felt like we needed to give the listeners a little bit of backstory, Perry, on you planning New Spring Church. So with that, let me just ask this first question. When did you know God had called you to plant a church? Um, you know, it's really funny. I thought the idea, the concept of planting a church was stupid um, when I first heard about it. In college, I met a girl who told me her daddy worked for the um, South Carolina Baptist um, Convention. And I said, well, wow, what does he do? And she said, well, he helps people start churches. And I was like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Um, Why would you start a church when you've got all these existing churches? Now, I was a very young Christian, but that was my attitude. And several years later, I was in a seminary class, and that particular class was being taught by uh, Dr. Danny Aiken, who's now the president of Southeastern South, South, Southeastern Seminary, blah, 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 blah. 
And uh, he was talking about church planting, and I asked him the same question. I said, um, why in the world would you plant a church when there's all these existing churches? Why not just go in and change these existing churches? And he laughed, and he said, they got a word for that, son. It's called martyr. And then he said, Perry, he said, um, I never will forget this. I wrote this down. He says, it's easier to give birth to a baby than it is to resurrect the dead. And that impacted me. And then um, that same semester, there was a um, church, uh, there was a church planter and professor at the seminary named um, Dr. James Emery White. He pastors Mecklenburg Community Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. He was doing a apologetics class, and at the time, I was really considering being a traveling evangelist. I love to see people give their lives to Christ, and that's my heart. And so he was, um, uh, one night he got up and he said, tonight I'm going to teach on the best mode of evangelism possible. And so he automatically had my attention. Um, that, that's like telling a fat guy, I'm going to talk to you about desserts. I mean, that just, that that keeps you interested right there. So. I uh, I was I was really curious as to where he was going to go, and he said the best form of evangelism is church planting, and he did a about an hour and a half, two hour session on church planting, the hows and the whys, and that was the day that God said this is what you're going to do. It was in 1996, um, the fall of 1996, and God wrecked me. Um, I knew I was going to do it. Um, I just needed to know when and where. I figured it'd be like 40 or 50 before I did it. I had no idea I was going to be doing it three years later. Um, but that's that's how I knew. I, just, I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt um, in 1996 in the fall, I was going to start a church. So what did you do with that? So you hear this at this uh, talk from James Emery White on the best way to evangelize people is through the church. You feel like God spoke that into you. What'd you who did you tell? Um, I told Lucretia my wife, um, I just started dating her, and uh, she was cool with that. I told a couple of really close friends of mine that I felt like it was something that God was beginning to stir in me, but I didn't feel like it was the time to do it, um, and they all affirmed that in me. Um, I just I just really sat on it for a while. I, I started reading um, as much as possible, um, and when I say as much as possible, there wasn't blogging in 1996. There wasn't, I mean, good gosh, we had dial-up internet, so it was like, and then, you know, if you downloaded a picture, it took 4.2 days. So I didn't, we didn't have all that. I, I basically um, had uh, my notes from Dr. White's class, which I still have, by the way. Um, I had a Purpose Driven Church by Rick Warren, and I had Rediscovering Church by Bill and Lynn Hobbles. Those were the only books written and, and today there's all kinds of books which is kind of funny because you got books by people that um have never done it that are telling you how to do it but we'll get to that later but um that's i just started reading i started praying and i allowed god to prepare my heart and i was serving in a church um and i was faithful where i served like i was like you know what god hasn't told me to start a church yet and so i'm going to be faithful where i am and work as hard as i can until um God tells me to move. And so I was faithful um, where I was. So some of our listeners out there are thinking they've heard God tell them the same thing. Mm -hmm. uh, what would you instruct them to do uh, with that? If they feel like God's to told them, hey, you need to plant a church, what, would, what is the first thing they need to do? I would say that you probably need, uh, and I'm big on this, Shane, I think you need to seek counsel from godly men and women that love Jesus more than they love you. 
Um, th- that doesn't mean go find a bunch of bitter, pissed off church people who just want somebody to start a church um, because they'll call you pastor, but you'll actually be their target um, within six months. Let me say that again. They'll call you pastor, but you'll actually be their target in six months because um, bitter, pissed off church people have a habit of hurting and um, actually killing pastors and ministers. So anyway, um, I would say seek people that love Jesus more than they love you and say, hey, man, this is what I'm praying about. Um, What do you think about this? Um, read some read some books by church planters. Read some. Uh, I mean, um, begin to read the scriptures and see if God begins to allow you to see things through the grid of a church planter. Because uh, if He's put it in you, I mean, it's it's not like you're going to miss it. Like you you can't. It's it's like um, it's the big E on the I chart, if you will. It's like I, what's that thing at the top? It's an E. You know, you know, it's an E. So you He's not going to let you miss it. Um. How closely should the guys that feel like God's telling us hold that in regards, or I guess what I'm asking is, how how much do they let that out when they're seeking this counsel? Should it be a small group of people that you really trust, you mentioned, that love Jesus more than they love you? Or is this something you would say, hey, as many people as you can talk to about it, get their input? No, I, you know, Shane, when I look back, I probably talked to three or four people about it at the most. Um and I just said, this is what God is doing in my heart. This is what God is doing in my life. Is this something you could see me doing one day? I don't have a plan. I don't have a strategy. I don't have anything on paper. This is just where I feel like the Lord might be leading me. I didn't talk to large groups because as soon as you start talking to large groups about wanting to plant a church, large groups are going to start pressuring you to plant a church. Um, and so you better make sure it's God calling you and not some large group calling you. Because I know men... Um, who have surrendered to the calling of a large group, and um, man, they're uh, they're selling insurance now. Mm-hmm. They're not they're they're selling cars. They're they're not. I mean, they're they're making your coffee. They're not in the ministry. Yeah, let's just go ahead and state the state this if people don't know. I mean, the reality of people uh, still being in the ministry after planning a church is very very low, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I think the. The percentage done by the there was a study done by the Francis Schaeffer Institute in 2007 that said 90 percent of the people entering the ministry will not retire from it. Yep, church planners are no exception. Church to that. planners, I would say the number's probably higher. Yep, I would think so too. Uh, so in 1996, you know, God put this in your heart. You started to you sat on it. You said you served the church you were in well. Uh, you got some counsel. Uh, when was it that you knew? it was getting close to time. Like, it was time to start really considering how to put New Spring Church together. You know, I didn't know, Shane. I mean, we had started a Bible study in my house for college students. I was served on the campus of Anderson University, and we started a Bible study in my house at 11 o'clock on Wednesday nights, and it went from 8 to 150 in six weeks. And uh, I still didn't get it. Um, and when I say it was a Bible study, it was straight up a legitimate Bible study. That's all we did was Bible study. I mean, we didn't even do any music. We had a girl show up with a violin one time. We let her play Amazing Grace. and um, But that's about as close to music as we got at first. Um, it, and it, it wasn't that good. Anyway, so we, we, just, we just tried to be obedient. But I had no idea. In fact, I, um, I was getting ready to resign the church where I was serving. I'd been there for six years. I didn't know what I was going to do. I just knew God had told me very clearly that my time there was through. And I'd had a pretty successful run at that church. And... Um, we're, we're, we were seeing God do some amazing things, and I went to lunch with a friend of mine. Uh, we were at Red Lobster, and I've told this story many times in conferences and such, but 
he looked at me. He said, what would you be willing to do for, attempt for God if you knew you couldn't fail? And I said, I'd start a church. And he said, you're a coward if you don't. And it was that moment in Red Lobster in August of 1999 that I said, all right, I'm going to do this. Because what have I got to lose? What have I got to lose? I'm 28 years old. I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it until I'm 40. And uh, if I don't, you know, if it doesn't take off, you know what? At 40, I've still got the rest of my life in front of me. But I'm not going to stand in front of God one day and, and, and tell him all the things I wish I would have done for him. I mean, I'm, I'm going to give this a shot. So... When did you start the Bible study? If it, 1996 you had, you know, God had told you this, when did you start the Bible study? 98, 1998. So the Bible started been going over a little over a year? Yeah, but I never intend, I never thought that anything like that would, I mean, I, you know, it was, it, and it wasn't the church. It was just, we saw, God did a couple things with that Bible study. Number one, he affirmed to me that I could be a leader mm-hmm. of larger groups of people. Number two, he affirmed to me the teaching gift that, that I had. Um, and... You know, I th- those are the couple things that he did in me. But that Bible study didn't become the church because if it did, we'd still be meeting at eleven o'clock on Wednesday <laughs> nights. And I'll be honest with you, I'm in bed at eleven on Wednesday nights. Yeah. I am in bed. Me too. What do you uh, you mentioned that showed you or confirmed in you that you could lead, that you could teach the Bible? How important is it for a potential church planner to have been in a situation where they've actually led people or taught the Bible? Um, I would say. <laughs> um, I've had church planners tell me, um, man, I think God's called me to plant a church, but I don't like teaching. And I'm like, oh, dude, you're going to have a really tough time uh, because like 90% of your people, the only time they're ever going to see you is when you're teaching. And the other 10%, well, the other 10%, yeah, but their only reason they're going to see you is because their life's screwed up and they want you to fix it. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to lean back on the stuff that you've taught them. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell our church often you don't need to talk to me. You don't need to talk to me. I have counseled you for 45 to minutes to an hour on stage every Sunday. I'm never. I'm not going to say anything to you in private that I haven't said to you publicly. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I would. I would say you. Um, if you're called to plant a church, uh, you're going to have to get that teaching thing down. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you hate teaching people, um, wow. That that's gonna. It's going to be like I want to be a doctor, but blood freaks me out. Oh wow. Um, it's gonna suck for you eventually. I mean, it's gonna go bad. So, I would say I would say teaching is essential, and then leadership. If you don't have the gift of leadership, um, I would just say um, you're you're not gonna be able to do it. And and the reason why is everybody who walks through the doors of your church has an agenda for your church, and if you can't stand and say this is the direction we're going to go, and this is what we're going to do, and this is what I know that Jesus is calling me to do, you're going to get snowplowed um, by groups of people, and you're, you're not going to be able to lead. Let me ask you this about leadership and, and teaching. I agree with you. I think that's the most essential elements for anybody who wants to either plant a church or lead uh, a church from the senior pastor position. Uh, and I and I will state, and I think you would agree that you can refine both those gifts. You Absolutely, can get better at leading, get better at teaching. But what about the guy who says, you know, I'm not really gifted in leadership, and I'm not gifted in teaching, but I think God's calling me to plant a church. I mean, do you think those two things can live together? Man, here's the first thing: I'm never going to assume to know what God's up to, and so I would I would never tell anybody. You know, let me back. I would hardly ever tell anybody God's not telling you to do that. Um, 
I would just say, and Shane, here's the beautiful thing about the way we're doing multi-site church. You don't have to be able to teach to be a campus pastor. Um, there's so many people out there that love that love the gift of leadership, that have the gift of leadership, but don't like teaching people because it is. It's a drain. It's preparation. It's hard work. And so, you know, here at New Spring and several other churches do it where one guy's providing the teaching and the campus pastors can actually lead that campus and foster a sense of community within the context of where those communities are. It's a beautiful thing. Now, I'm not saying multi-site church is the answer. I'm saying multi-site church and church planting exist hand in hand. Um, but I would say if you don't have the gift of leadership, I mean, it, you, as a pastor, you're the leader. You're the shepherd. And uh, if, if the shepherd don't know how to lead sheep, good gosh, everybody's going to die. Like, it's going to go bad. Like, they all go off a cliff together. That's just not a happy ending. Um, and if uh, I, I would just say, I would just say you really, really got to know that God's called you and you really, really, really got to be willing to lead. I think that's why so many churches hit a roadblock because they have a pastor that wants to be called pastor but doesn't actually want to make the hard decisions and lead. Yep. Speaking of uh, making decisions, after you had this conversation at Red Lobster and this, you know, world-changing question that you had to contemplate, did you at that point say, okay, I'm going to do this, and then seek out denominational help, any sort of organization's help, a specific mentor? I mean, did you go any direction specifically to say, okay, I'm going to plant a church, somebody show me how to do it? Um, I did a couple things. The first thing I did, the first step I took was I went back and told my senior pastor. He was the first person I told. I said, I'm going to, to start a church. He said, when did you decide this? I said, like 45 minutes ago. Um, and I told him uh, I did not ask anyone in the church that I was serving to come with me. I, did, I, I was just like, I'm not going to do that. I think maybe a total of 10 people did come, and I you know, pushed them hard as to, you know, you better know that this is what God called you to do. Um, and so I, cause I'm, I'm very, I believe God will bless a church plant, but Shane, I've never seen God bless a church split long-term. I believe God will bless a church plant. I do not believe he will bless a church split long-term because a church split starts on the foundation of we're pissed, not we love Jesus. So, um, so that, that's, that's, I, and I sought out the help of the South Carolina Baptist Convention um, it's really funny because the conversation I had had with that girl who was a college student at Anderson who told me her daddy helped people plant churches, his name is actually Norman. Her name was Christine Ponder. His name is Norman Ponder, who is who I wound up in touch with um, 10 years later or nine years later. It's funny how God works like that. Nine years later, who um, through Norman's help helped us um, get everything we needed to plant the church. Um, you mentioned being on staff at a church and going to tell your senior pastor yes. like within 45 minutes. Uh, I would be willing to bet large sums of money that a lot of the guys that are considering planning a church are on a church staff. Yes. Uh, talk to those guys about, um, let's just face it, the right way and the wrong way to go about that or how you would counsel them to uh, communicate with their senior pastor or other leaders in their church. And, um, you know, because I know you've seen it done well and I know you've seen it done poorly. Yep. What would you tell uh, those guys that are in that situation? I would say that if you know you're called to start a church, you go tell your senior pastor. You got to tell him. And now some, some people won't because they're scared. 
And they're like, well, my senior pastor will fire me. You know what? That's on him. If he is that insecure that he's going to actually freak out, piss his pants, because you're going to actually go start a church and do what God told you to do, then that's on him. And praise God if he fires you, because you know what? That just propels you into what God wants you to do quicker than you had intended on doing it, because God's going to take care of you. You've got to go tell that senior pastor. Um, That's the right way to do it. And the right way to do it is, hey, this is what I believe God's doing in me. This is what he's calling me to do. Because if that senior pastor is worth his salt, he will help you get launched, get planted, get trained, get mentored, get everything that you need to start that church. That's the right way to do it if you're on a church staff, is to be honest and upfront and not hide it. The wrong thing to do, and I've seen this done, and man, I oh, good gosh, I could go on for days. The wrong thing to do is actually begin to have conversations with staff members at the church where you're serving behind the senior pastor's back, asking them to come with you and help you start the church and subverting the authority of your senior pastor. And uh, I call it planting a coup, planting a coup. Um, you, you, that's, just, that's just wrong. That's just absolutely wrong to pretend that you're on board with a vision when, and actually the only vision you have in your life is the division that you're call, causing mm-hmm. in the church you're serving. That's just wrong. Don't you think somebody who is has such a lack of confidence in the call that God's put on them, uh, wouldn't that, I mean, that lack of confidence in the call would be the reason they'd go behind people's backs? Is that just a lack of trust in God? Why well, would somebody do that? it's a lack that? of confidence. It's a lack of, um, it's a lack of having a set. Um, it's the lack of, uh, it's a lack of a lot of things. It's a lack of um, being filled with the Holy Spirit. Yep. Um, it's, a, it's a lack of respect. Um, it's 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 pretty pathetic when somebody does that, and we yeah we see it all the time. Yeah, I mean it happens all the time. I get calls from pastors going, "Man, this happened." And I'm telling you, man, if you're called to do it, just be honest. Just, why in the world would you hide what God is wanting to do in your life? And let me, if there's a senior pastor out there listening to it, hey, if somebody comes to you and says, "I'm going to plan a church," man, listen, if it's not of God. It's like they said in Acts 5, if it's not of God, it's not going to work, and they'll come back and, you know, you can give them a job. If it's of God, you ain't going to be able to stop it. You're not going to be able to stop it. And just so that people know if they don't, uh, the senior pastor you're talking about is in the same town where New Spring uh, was planted in Anderson, and to this day, you have a great relationship with him. He's one of the only pastors in this town that will actually talk to me, so it's kind of nice to have him as a friend. Yeah, I bet. Um, next question. Uh, you hear people talk about core groups. When they're planning a church, they have a core group. Yes. Talk about how you developed a core group or how you started telling people you're about to start a church and actually started forming a group of people to make a church. Man, there's a passage in, Day- there's a passage in the book of 1 Samuel where it talks about um, David went into a cave and like 400 men, people that were in debt or discontented or all these other people – came around him, surrounded him, and made him the leader. And I'm like, oh, well, there's David's church plant. Um, I feel like that's how it happened. I just said, I'm going to plant a church. And I literally had about 15 people. Um, and Shane, I, I, these people all came into my lives in, in really random ways. But I wound up with about 15 people going, hey, man, we think we're supposed to do this thing with you. Um, I did not advertise. I didn't um, stand up in front of the church and, 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 and my pastor say, he's going to start a church. If you want to 
go with him, let him know. I, I just, um, you know, there was about, some of them were, um, like I said, people from the old church, some volunteers that I had developed over a long period of time. But once again, I didn't recruit them. I didn't ask anybody to come. I just said, this is what I'm doing. And uh, people just said, hey, we want to we want to come with you. So I, it was really random how all these people wound up in my life. Uh, random or providence, right? God brought you these these people. Yeah. Now half of them were gone in less than a year. They say that it. They said it. Actually, they say it takes about a year to, to two years to lose half your core group. Um, they were mine were gone in like four or five months. So I mean, I'm good. It doesn't take me that long to lose that many people. So, how much time passed from uh, starting to tell people, "Hey, I'm really planting a church." Had the conversation with your senior pastor to the first service of New Spring Church. We had that conversation in August, and New Spring had its first service in January 16th, 2000. So, so August of 99 to 2000, so four and a half months. That's pretty fast. Yep. Especially with the way things move today. Yep. Uh, how'd you have money to do that? You, I, we didn't. See, here's the deal. Here's the thing. If you're called to plant a church, listen to me. Go plant the freaking church. You don't have to have a certain amount of money in the bank. How much money do they have in the book of Acts? How much money do they have in the, in the book of Acts? I mean, seriously, who told you you had to have a certain amount of money? Did God tell you to start the church? Well, we've we got a two-year strategy. You know what? A lot of people can go to hell in two years. A lot of people can go to hell in two years if you don't start that church and start telling people about Jesus. So all this stuff about you got to have this strategy and you got to have it on paper and you got to have you know what you got to have you know you know what you got to have to church to start a church the instruction of God and a Bible open your freaking Bible and start teaching the Word of God and people are gonna start showing up you know what you got a church dang it fired up <laughs> that was awesome if you're a Seinfeld fan and know this the episode where Jackie Johnson tells Kramer not to put the bomb on it was just like that it was awesome I didn't see that episode. yeah I know but. Anyway, people out there know. They know. It was awesome. Anyway. No, it just makes me mad <laughs> that people feel like, I mean, we, we, are in the, we are in the world of strategizing and doing all this stuff. And I'm like, what strategy was in the book of Acts? Show me a strategic move in the book of Acts. They didn't have a clue what they were doing. They didn't have a clue. And we, we look at it like, oh, they knew what they were doing. They didn't know what they were doing. One of the most common phrases in the book of Acts is, the Spirit said, the Spirit said, the Spirit said. They just listened to the Holy Spirit. Imagine that. 2,000 years later, we still have the same opportunity. We've just strategized everything. You've got to have a core group, and you've got to meet this long, and you've got to do this, and you've got to have these many qualifications. You've got to have this, and you've got to have this much money in the bank. And I'm like, holy, good gosh, we'd have all gone to hell if the early church would have done that. Just got to do the next right thing. You got to right? do the next right thing. What? Uh, all right. So you, we talked about that. You didn't have any money. Well, how many times were you tempted to make decisions early on because of the lack of money? You know what? We. One of the things I can say with integrity is we we never let finances drive the decision. If we would have let finances drive the decision, we never would have hired the first staff member. We never would have moved from the Sullivan Building that sat 150 to a facility that sat 1100. When in the first Sunday in that building we had 188 people and we counted everybody, um, we never would have, um, and that move cost fifty thousand dollars and we didn't have it. We never would have built the facility on um, the current facility that we have in Anderson. 
We never would have started a Greenville campus, a Florence campus, a Columbia campus, a Charleston campus. If finances would have driven the decisions, we never would have done the major steps of faith we've taken. We've just said, hey, man, if it's God's will, it's God's bill, what the king wants, the king pays for, we're going to do it. And you know what? If we go broke, we just join the rest of America. I mean, ask the government to send us some of that money they're printing or something. I don't know what to do. Um, I'm, just, I'm just saying finances did not. Now, you got to be wise. you got to be wise. You've got, you, God calls us to wise financial wisdom. But I think that can go hand in hand with what the Spirit is leading us to do. Because in all the financial decisions that we made, I think they were wise financial decisions, but they were also steps of faith. And I think it has to fit within both of those categories because you can make some stupid. I I had a church planter come to me one time that um, had seventy people in his church, but he had like three hundred fifty thousand dollars worth of debt. And I'm like, how in the world did you do that? And it was it was amazing. But he had he had made some unwise financial decisions. Mm-hmm. So I think we're called to both. And just I want to hit this one uh, last time. How easy would it have been? when you first planted the church, to compromise the vision God had given you oh, just s- s- to allow somebody to dictate your vision because they gave money? You know, um, we let the first, we let the biggest giver in the church walk before we ever had our first service. And when I say biggest giver, and I'm not even making this up, 65% of the church budget is what he gave. Um, he's still a good guy. I still see him in the community. We still talk. But he had a different vision for the church. And you know what, Shane? It wasn't a bad vision. It wasn't like um, I want us to have a ministry that runs over handicapped people in crosswalks. Okay, that's obviously something you don't want to do. Um, it's uh, it wasn't a. <laughs> Everybody's laughing. That was funny. It, it's uh, actually that's not funny. You should not do that. If your church has that ministry, you should Stop shut it. that down immediately. That's just not good. You need to knock that off. Um, <laughs> Funny moment on the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. <laughs> I don't even know where this comes from. No, we're not gonna. We're not. Gonna, don't pimp your vision. That's yeah, what we're talking about. We're not gonna edit that out. So anyway, wow, that's never happened here. I'm sweating. Shh, Carla, be quiet. Okay, there are other people in the room listening to this, but <laughs> that's funny. Um, yeah, you should not have that ministry. Anyway, this guy um, wanted the church to go in a different direction. And I just simply did not feel that that was the direction the church was supposed to go in. And, and Shane I mean, made this very clear. He didn't leave angry. In fact, him and his wife called me over to his house, and they met with me in their living room, and they talked to me about what they – they were very glad about the money they had invested in New Spring, um, but they felt like they were supposed to head a different direction. And it was a very wonderful conversation. And I left that house that night, and Lucretia, who was my fiancé at the time, and she, had, um, she was in town, and she had gone over there with me, um, I looked at her and I said, you know, I think that might have been God's first test um, just to see, am I for sale? Because you're either a prostitute or a prophet. Um, a prostitute gets paid for a service that makes others feel good about themselves, but a prophet will do what God told him to do no matter what it cost him. Mm-hmm. And I just said, you know, I just am I'm not for sale, and the vision's not for sale. And we had to let that guy walk. And you know what, Shane, is really funny? I think every church planter, at least every church planter that I've talked to, will face within the first 12 to 18 months a major financial test like that. Because I believe God wants to wants to see, are you for sale? Mm-hmm. 
are you for now he ultimately knows but i think that's got to be proven to us are we for sale yep well with all of that as background perry let's get to the primary question that was asked um if you were planning a church today what would you do different um first of all uh okay let me i'm gonna gonna write some notes right here while i'm thinking about it they're 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 popping in my mind that's allowed it's your um yeah okay um the first thing i would do is i would not uh feel like i had to put out a core beliefs statement and like core values immediately and here's why um you don't know what you value now you know what you think you want to value but you don't know it's, it's kind of like the parents it's like when you have kids this is the way we're going to raise our kids well you know what if it's your first kid you don't have a clue how you're going to raise that kid it is the kid's crying the kid just you know pooped its pants the kid just threw up what do we do the kid will not go to sleep the kid you know you learn as you go and so i would say don't feel like because man when we started we had this core values and you know beliefs and all this stuff and you know what man we don't use any of that stuff anymore the vision to reach people um for christ the the vision to do church in a way that was for unchurched people and not church people none of that's ever changed Mm -hmm. but but it's like we had this core value the seven core values and all this stuff you know what why don't you let your church begin to go and just see what you naturally value, not what you say you value? Um, I would say that. I would say don't feel like you got to establish a leadership team too quickly. Um, some of the best leaders that you're going to possibly have in your church might not even be in your church when you start. So when you start promising staff positions to people who are on the core team and you say, hey, you do this a volunteer, one day we'll hire you, um, that's going to go bad. You tell everybody on the core team, you're not promised a a paid staff position in this church. In fact, one of these days, somebody might come along that has more potential and and vision and passion than you, and we will hire them, and you will volunteer and serve under them, and and they will be in a leadership role. Um, you'll, you'll, You'll find out quickly who's real and who's not real on that core team. So I would say don't do that. I would say... Um... I would say if you're going, oh God, I could we could do a whole podcast on this, Shane. If you're going to learn from somebody, learn from the people that have actually successfully done something. It, the church world is the only world, quote unquote, in the world that can't celebrate success. Mm-hmm. Like if a stockbroker goes to Wall Street, makes some very wise investments, and makes a lot of money. We call him successful. If a stockbroker goes to Wall Street, never does anything significant, but stays there for 30 years, nobody wants to listen to him. But in church world, we'll put that guy on a platform and let him tell us how to do things. It's the dumbest. If, if, surge- if a surgeon performs successful surgeries and never has anybody die on the operating table, we call him a successful surgeon. But if you got a doctor that's killing everybody he operates on, well, we would call that... Um, we would call that bad. But then in church world, we put the guy that kills everybody on a conference speaking thing. And it's, it's kind of like in church world, you're not allowed to succeed. And if you do succeed, there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. I would say learn from the guys that have succeeded. I was reading something the other day online and just kind of laughed. It's like, we want a church conference. We want to do a church conference with um, names that nobody recognizes. It's just pastors, everyday pastors. That And you know, you know what? 
At the end of the day, I'm sure there's some great men of God that do some great stuff out there. But you know why I want to learn from men like Andy Stanley? You know why I want to learn from men like Stephen Furtick? You know why I want to learn from men like Pete Wilson? You know why I want to learn from men like Bill Hybels? You know why I want to learn from men like Craig Rochelle? Because they've done it. They've done it. They have started a church, stayed true to their vision. They are reaching people for Christ. They're seeing great success. They've done it. Wall Street would laugh a guy who has been doing stocks for 30 years and broke. They would laugh a guy like that off of a platform. And for the, some reason, the church world calls that guy faithful. When in the scriptures, Jesus gave five, three, and one talent. The guy that didn't use his talent but buried it and produced no fruit, Jesus called him wicked and lazy. So I would tell church planters and pastors, learn from somebody that's doing it. And learn from somebody that's done it well. Um, that's that's what I would say. I don't listen. I don't go to bankrupt people to get financial advice. I don't go pe- to people that have been divorced eight times to get marriage advice. I don't go to fat people to get nutrition advice. And I don't go to people that are not reaching people for Jesus to tell me how to reach people for Jesus. I know that's strong, and I know that's harsh, and I, I know that's you know we'll probably get an email or two off of that, and I'm fine. Send us an email. That's fine, but I'm telling you, you've got to learn from people that are getting it done. Yeah, well, that's great advice, Perry. I'm going to give you one more chance. Anything else you want to put in the minds of those people who may be considering planning a church? I would say if God's called you to do it, then you can do it. Yep. Because, it, 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 of course, there's fear. I mean, of, of course, there's fear. And you know what? The fear never goes away. It never goes away. Um, it, it rears its ugly head around um, every corner. But I would say if God has called you to start a church, then you can do exactly what God has called you to do. That's a great word. That's a good place to close. We appreciate the question, uh, whoever sent that in. And if you have one, send us one too. Hello at newspring.cc, and we'll try to get to it. Otherwise, uh, we'll see you next month on the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. Bye.